Good morning. Happy Father's Day to everybody, all the fathers. We always say Happy Mother's Day and it's like such a big deal, but Father's Day is just as big of a deal. So Happy Father's Day. I'm so happy to be here on Father's Day. So those of you who know me know that I am very passionate about the role of women in the church and empowering women in the church. But part of that is knowing the role of the man in the church too. The role of fathers and the role of men because we need each other. So I felt it fitting for us to talk about men a little bit today. Um, so we all need men, we all need our fathers. There is actually, actually it was a blessing to have Father Angelos last week because you know he was talking about God as a father and how there is this thing in the world called fatherlessness and that this is this is actually an unofficial epidemic of the world this fatherlessness it's the the research that he sent me i actually emailed him last week and i'm like help me please like send me some statistics and send me some things about fatherlessness i don't want to depress anybody this morning but it, it's it's for real like fatherlessness hurts so many of us and it really does take a toll on our society as a whole when we don't have fathers in our lives. So there's actually a research in 2011. This research was done in 21 countries. And it shows that dysfunctional family life is the biggest problem with fatherness at the center of it. And there was all of the statistics of how um, early pregnancies come from a fatherless home and things like this. Like, the root of the issue comes down to the lack of father, uh, a father in the home. So it, it's very, very important for us to understand that our fathers are human beings at the end of the day. But God has given such a responsibility to our fathers to take on that role, to be able to, to, to be a, a big role model in the church, uh, in, in the family dynamic. So, yes, our fathers are humans and they're given to us at birth to lead us. And unfortunately, a lot of us do have that broken image of a father because of our human fathers. But I want us to know that if that is our view, if our view on fathers is broken, we do all have a father that stays consistent, okay? And my prayer for this talk is that we will get to that conclusion by the end. So God's view on fathers is very intimate, very intimate and very purposeful because God himself takes on the example of being a father to show that the father still has a very big role in the family. And so you'll see a lot of examples in the Bible of God making himself, like giving himself as an example of a, as a father to show what a father on earth is supposed to look like and to also esteem that position um, that fathers have. I highly encourage you to look up um, verses in the Bible of God calling himself a father and how he compares himself to fathers here on earth. Um, we, we did read this uh, verse in the gospel last week. This was the gospel in the liturgy, Luke 1 through 4, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, so Jesus said to them, 
When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So here we see the, the introduction of Jesus telling people, when you pray, call me Father. Make it an intimate connection. Call on me like you call your fathers on earth. Call on me and tell me, Father. Call on me and ask for me to come and be with you in an intimate way. Call me, Father. So we see this in this verse, and we read this last week in the gospel. So with all of that being said, the world needs a father. The world definitely needs a father. This is like the most cliche thing that I can possibly say, but just please be, bear with me, okay? So why is it so cliche? Why is it so unrealistic and so difficult for us to wrap our heads around this idea as God being a father, not someone who's just sitting up on a high throne? Why is that the case? So number one, like I said in the beginning, unfortunately for some of us, our human fathers have distorted that image of what a father is supposed to look like. Okay, and Abuna actually talked about this in his sermon last week, and he said how he had a, a young lady join his congregation, and he could she couldn't get herself to call him Abuna, her father, because that word to her was so blemished and so broken that she couldn't even get herself to say the word father, because of the trauma that she had in her own life from her father. So unfortunately, we take this broken image that we have taken from our fathers and we automatically paste it to God. So this is this is a, a, a reality of the reason why a lot of the time we cannot see God as a father. The second reason, and I'm gonna stay on this point a little bit, is something called the two-story model. The two-story model. If you've never read this book, I highly recommend it. It's called Everywhere Present. We had it actually um, at the connection table for a little bit. It's by Father Stephen Freeman. He is an archpriest um, in the OCA church. And I want, I want you to see what he says about this two-story mentality, okay? The divine and the created in the one-story universe has become a dualistic segregation of God from human life in the two-story model. Again, the divine and the created in the one-story universe, this is how it's supposed to be. The divine and the created are supposed to exist in a one-story universe. However, this has become a dualistic segregation of God from human life in the two-story model in which God is absent from the first floor and people begin to wonder if there is anyone home up there. In various aspects of the loss of the consciousness of the presence of God in our world, God has not disappeared from our world, but we have tried to exile him to the second floor. So whether you like it or not, God is there. He's existing with us all the time, but it is our own doing where we just exile him to a second floor or to somewhere else that's not in our own universe. So now I've, I've disconnected my own life from God, okay? There are two issues with this model, okay? There are two issues. The first issue is that this is, this is a trick, especially for believers who know 
who God is, this is a trick that we play on ourselves. He's up there and I'm down here. This is what we tell ourselves. He's up there and I'm down here. Sometimes we feel like God is up in heaven sitting on his throne and playing with us like we're like pieces on a chessboard. And like he's gonna open the door here and close the door here and he's just up there to punish us. Again, because sometimes that's the treatment that we get from our own fathers, that they're just there to punish us and that's it. But this is incorrect. This is a two-story model of God just existing to rule on his throne and we're here on earth as his little chessboard pieces, okay? Again, another thing that might cause us to kind of feel this or to think this is a lot of the times in the liturgy, we hear things like this, worship in fear and trembling, stand with trembling, look towards the east. Like we hear these things, trembling, stand in fear, look towards the east, be attentive. I want us to know that fear here does not mean like be afraid, like be scared. Fear here means reverence, show reverence, stand properly in, in, in attention, okay? So sometimes we hear these things and we're like, oh, so we should fear God. We need to understand where the origins of these words come from. And so fear here and trembling, this just means stand in reverence, stand ready and attentively. Here's a, one of those examples of God trying to show a correlation. So in Psalms 103, 13, it says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. So why would he give an example of a father pitying his children if he didn't think that this was a relationship that was supposed to be esteemed or proper? And then again here it says, so the Lord pity those who fear him, those who respect him, those who want to do good by him. So again, if this is meant to be like afraid or fearful, then he wouldn't have made the correlation between fathers and himself. Another example um, of how God is so much closer to us than we think. We, we put him on this we put him like he's so far away from us, but he is so much closer than what we realize. In Genesis 28, 10 through 22, we read about Jacob's ladder, okay? I've heard this story so many times, but then just reading the verses this week, like preparing for this, I saw it in a different light, and the words are so beautiful. So this is what it says in Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out the west, to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Now look what Jacob says. 
When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I am not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? Again, afraid here. He was he was reverent of what of the place that and of the place that he witnessed God in. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. So here we see, we see several things in these verses. First of all, God's promises to Jacob, all the blessings that he was going to shower on him. And then he tells him here, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever I, wherever you go. This was a literal thing that I am with you all around. And then Jacob here admits, he's like, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. A lot of the times because we separate ourselves so far away, we don't realize that he is much closer than what we, than what we realize, a lot, a lot closer than what we give him credit for. So the connection here and the intimacy and the realization that Jacob had for God being so close to him. Then look at what Jacob said. Now with this realization that God is so much closer than what he thought, he says, Jacob, he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am to watched me on this journey that I am taking and I will give me and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and if all that you give me I will give you a tenth so now Jacob realized okay God I, I realize now you are very close to me you are my father you are here now that I have that realization I have a responsibility to keep you close to me. I have a responsibility to now call you my God and to make every place that I inhabit a holy place for you. We're going to talk about this, this last part here of all that you give me, I will give you 10. We're going to talk about that later. So keep that in mind. So the first, the first issue with the two-story model is that this idea of God is up there and I'm down here and we don't coexist. Okay? That's the first issue. The second issue is I use God when I need him. Like I have him up on a shelf, like any of my tools, and I just pull him down when I need him. I am 100% guilty of this. It is so easy when life is good and life is cool to just forget about God because I'm in my comfort zone. I don't really need him. And then once things get bad, I'm like looking in the drawer, like where is he? Like trying to find him where he went, okay? As God who is exiled, a God who is exiled from the mundane is understandably difficult to find when the mundane turns into the tragic. If I constantly have this mentality of I'm only searching for God when I need him, when your life is turned upside down, there's not going to be any relationship. There's not going to be any understanding of how God works. He might be working and you don't even know it 
because you don't know him. You don't realize that he's working. So I want us to be as consistent as God is. Even in the mundane, he's there. So even in the mundane, we should be there to connect with him. So God is consistent always. So my consistency has to match his. I have to be just as consistent as he is. How do I do that? Consistency in intimacy. Try to say that ten times. Consistency in intimacy. I want us to keep this word at the forefront of our mind when we're thinking about me and God. Intimacy is the most important thing for me to grow between me and God to have a relationship. And I'm going to suggest two things. Intimacy in my sacramental life and intimacy in my personal life. Okay, so let's talk about that. First of all, what is a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward action that we do to represent an internal, invisible thing that's happening, an invisible grace that's happening. So again, a sacrament is an external action that I do, a visible external action that I do to represent an internal, invisible grace that's happening, okay? So, for example, coming to liturgy and partaking of his body and blood. On the altar, we see it as bread and wine. But when I take it inside of me, when I, it is the body and blood of Christ. So this is an invisible, invisible bread and, sorry, visible bread and wine that is converted into the invisible body and blood of Christ that I take inside of me so that I can abide in him and him in me. Okay, so the first sacramental thing that the sacramental thing that I'm going to challenge us to do is to partake in the liturgy and partake in the Eucharist weekly. This is the most intimate thing that you can do with God is to invite Him inside of your physical body, like literally taking Him and physically putting Him inside of your body. And it has to be done on a weekly basis. It has to be done weekly in order for it to continue to cleanse me over and over and over. When we, we, when, when we come and partake of communion, we now inherit sonship with God through Christ. We now inherit sonship with, we now have sonship with God through Christ. So I have, in order for me to continue to keep that bond with him, I have to do this on a weekly basis. I have to constantly cleanse myself and invite him inside of me. Okay? So that's the first challenge under sacraments. The second challenge is something that I actually just learned about. And this, I'm going to, I'm going to admit, I've been struggling with this for a little bit. And God just, he sent this to me at a perfect time so I can share it with you. The idea of, um, giving an offering or tithing, a lot of the times, especially nowadays, everything is electronic, and please, if you have an electronic thing going on, please don't cancel it. Michael will kill me if I tell you guys to cancel it. Just, <laughs> if you have that going on, that's great. However, and then a lot of people will say, I only get paid monthly, or I'm on commission, or whatever. So this tithing thing over the years has become something that we don't really think about because so many things have taken the place. Like now it's 
it's done electronically or now it's done monthly or whatever. So I've been kind of struggling with this of like, okay, so where is the offering part of it coming in? How can we bring it back in? So I heard a sermon this week how your giving should 100% be weekly. Why weekly? Okay, why weekly? I'm going to give you examples. Why weekly? Actually, let's just read this and then we'll talk about it. We say this in the liturgy. Okay, this is the, the litany of the oblation. So it's just a prayer of, of offerings. Okay? Abuna, or the priest is saying this. We ask and entreat your goodness, O lover of mankind. Remember, O Lord, the sacrifices, the offering, and the thanksgiving of those who have offered to the honor and glory of your holy name. Okay? As a little kid, I always thought, okay, the person who does the holy bread, the person who bought the wine at Kroger, like, those are the offerings. But I didn't offer any of those things. So how can I be a part of that? And then it continues, receive them upon your holy rational altar of heaven as a sweet savor of incense before your greatness in the heavens through the service of your holy angels and archangels. As you have received the gifts of the righteous Abel, the sacrifice of our father Abraham, and the two mites of the widow, so also receive the thanks offering of your servants, those in abundance or those in scarcity, hidden or manifest, those who desire to offer to you but have none, and those who have offered these gifts to you this very day, give them the incorruptible instead of the corruptible, the heavenly instead of the earthly, and the eternal instead of the temple. So here God, Abuna is praying and telling God to remember the offerings of his people, which is us, the congregation, as he has remembered all of those who have given to him before, in any way, shape, or form. So as the gifts of, of the righteous able, the sacrifice of our father Abraham and the two minds of the widow. So here the contemplation is. When you come to church, if you're not offering something on the, the altar or you're not offering something service-wise, to drop anything in the offering box. Anything. I'm talking about one penny. Because it's not about the money. It's about you coming with your offering and saying, God, I am offering to you myself today. This is my offering. When I heard that, I felt like, okay, this is how I can contribute every week, my offering. To, 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 again, it's not about the money. If you want to bring one penny, bring one penny and drop it in the box on your way into the church. This is just showing that you're coming from outside the world, coming from the world, coming from the headache, coming from the pain, coming from the, the, the hustle and the bustle. I'm leaving all of that out there and I am coming to you with my offering. I'm offering to you my I'm offering to you my hard work. I'm offering to you my, my hard work. I'm offering to you what I can give you for you to take and do with it what you will. Because here it says, the Buddha says, those who desire, give them the incorruptible instead of the corruptible, the heavenly instead of the earthly. We're telling him, this is my offering. Please do with it what you will and bless it. So I challenge us, I challenge us, when we're walking into the church, bring an offering. Bring any kind of offering. Whether you offer to the hospitality team, whether you offer your time and service, 
whether you offer a penny, a dollar, five dollars in the offering box, I challenge us to just give an offering every time you walk into the church. This is how you grow your intimacy with God sacramentally, because now you're throwing yourself in front of him and telling him, I am offering to you, and you do with it what you want. Okay, so I challenge all of us to do this. Okay, intimacy personally. Intimacy personally. By the way, we need both of these. It's not one or the other. We have to have an intimacy with God communally, and that's why we have the sacraments, and that's why we have our services on our, our liturgy on, on Sunday. That's very important for us to grow this way in order for us to grow this way. Next is our intimacy personally. And I'm not going to tell you, read the Bible, pray every day. I'm not even going to go, like, I just want you to have quality time with God. I want you to have quality time with God. That looks different for everybody. That looks different for all of us. And as, as someone who teaches the little kids in Sunday school, it's actually our fault that we teach the kids that there's only one way to connect with God. You have to do this and you have to do this and it's like, there's like a specific formula and then you'll be close with God. It doesn't work like that. It took me a lot of years to realize my relationship with God is going to change because I change. My relationship with God is going to be different from one season to the next and that's okay. As long as you're doing what you need to do, it doesn't matter how it looks. I'll just share with you, I, it's very difficult for me to just stand, to stand and just pray like words from my mouth. It's very difficult for me. I love to write. I love to write. I love English. I, I love writing and I love paper and pen. So for me, it was easier for me to pray on paper with my words in a journal than it was for me to stand and pray with my words. It took a long time for me to make that connection. But it, it, it's okay. Like, it's okay. That, that's how I do it. That might not work for you. I encourage you to find what works for you. There is no right or wrong answer. But just start. Just start somewhere. Start with the journal. But then say that you're going to do it every single day. Actually, there are some times where I take the journal and I'm like, I don't really have anything to say, but I'm here. Literally, I'm writing those words in the journal. Like, just do it every day. Just do it every day. Because then you're going to feel connected. You're going to feel like you are together all the time. When you have a best friend, you start getting those withdrawals when you don't meet with them. And like, hey, I miss you, or I've been thinking about you. We can have that same feeling towards God. We can have that same feeling when we constantly build that relationship. Just like a friend. Just like somebody that we're seeing all the time. We're going to start craving it. Going back to the father thing, the human father thing. That is a great time for you to tell him, hey, listen, I have a not so pretty picture when it comes to fathers because of my father. Tell him, tell him, I cannot see you as a father. I have a broken image of what a father looks like. Tell him, that's what intimacy is all about. Getting into those deep conversations, getting into those conversations that make you cry that you wouldn't talk to anybody else about. That's what intimacy is all about. It's about digging deep. Tell him, be honest with him. I don't see you as a father. I have a broken image of what a father looks like. Tell him and see how he can 
restore that image back again for you. So, I, I want us to have this diagram in mind. And, and I wish I could tell you how this works. This is just my own observation of our relationship with God. I wish I could tell you how this works. It just works. So I'm just going to share it with you, okay? If I have a daily one-on-one -on -one with God, then I'm automatically going to start questioning things. And not questioning in an argumentative way, but questioning in a curious, I want to get to know you way. When you, when you start becoming close with someone, you start having questions about them. Where did you grow up? Do you have any siblings? Or is this, where's your home state? Like you automatically want to know about that person. So the more time I spend with someone, the more time I spend with God, the more questions I'm going to have about him, the more I'm going to hunger to know about him. Okay? So again, those questions are going to turn into hunger. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. I want to know how you think. I want to know what you do. I want to know how you work. And then that hunger is going to lead into answers. Again, I wish I could tell you how it works. I, it just works. Like last week, having Abuna Angelos here from another state, and he was talking about the material that I had planned for today. Like, please don't tell me that that's not God. Like, that's just God. It just, it just happens. It just happens. I can't tell you how it happens, but it just happens. If you just have a daily one-on-one -on -one with him, it's going to lead to more questions because you're going to want to know him. It's going to lead to a hunger, like you have to know him. And then it's just going to lead to answers. God is just going to send you answers to all of your questions. So that, because he wants you to know him. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you. Okay, so intimacy sacramentally through giving and offering weekly. Let's practice this together. Intimacy personally through individualized quality time. I wish I could stand here and tell you that it's ABC, one, two, three, and that's the answer. You have to figure it out for yourself. We're all different, we all have different personalities, we all take things in differently, we all react to things differently. You have to figure it out for yourself. But once you figure it out, you're going to feel that closeness with him. Because it's individualized. Okay? I'm going to leave you with this. This is a quote by St. Nikolai. I'm not even going to try his last name. He wrote a lot about the relationship between God and man and the relationship between man and his neighbor. This was his specialty. Okay, so this is what he writes about God as the Father. There was a time, a long and fearful time, when man too spake to thee and called thee Lord or Creator or Master. Yea, when man felt himself to be only a thing among things, but now by merit of thy firstborn and best son, Christ, now by merit of Christ coming and interceding for us, we learn by right name. Therefore, I too, with Christ, dare to call thee Father. Now through Christ, we learn God's true name, and that is Father to all of us. Regardless of what our view is on our human father, our father figures, regardless of our ups and downs, ups and downs that we go through in life, 
regardless of all of the inconsistencies that happen with jobs and world things and, and kids and regardless of anything that happens, you can 100% be sure that the most consistent thing that we have to lean on is our Heavenly Father. My prayer is that all of us, that we can have that relationship with the Father, have the confidence to come to Him and call Him Father in the most intimate way because He is consistent always. He is consistent always, no matter what. No matter what's happening in our life, if it's good or bad, no matter what's going on between me and my earthly father, he is consistent, and he wants us to call him father. Okay? Thank you. Let's stand up to prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, of God, amen. We thank you, Lord, so much for bringing us in this hour, to bring in, for bringing us in this day. We thank you so much for allowing us to come to you in the most intimate way to call you our Father. We ask you, O Lord, to please break down any walls that we have with this word or with this idea of you being so close to us and always surrounding us. We ask you, O Lord, to please show us yourself as a Father so that we can continue to grow our relationship with you. If there are any broken relationships between children and fathers, we ask you, O Lord, to mend those relationships. We ask you to strengthen those relationships, bring healing to those relationships. We ask you to please help us be as consistent as you are consistent with us. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Moses the Strong, and all your saints. Hear us as we pray together, thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and give us our trespasses, as we forgive 